live edition of Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, and waiting on the famous co-host, Trey Patterson, to arrive. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We have a lot on the agenda tonight. And and while the games this weekend, uh, they appear not to be as, you know, as good as last weekend, just looking over the games tonight, actually, I do smell a few upsets out there. So if you're listening now and you – before you make your picks for this weekend, you better listen to this show. Some good information on several of these games you need to know. We're going to talk college football. We're going to talk NFL football. And tonight is game one of the World Series. So we waited, seems like, ten years to see this matchup. St. Louis on the road against Boston. Boston is tearing them apart early in this game. It's, to me, it looks like St. Louis is overmatched and they're not used to this uh, Fenway Park crowd. So this is going to be one great series. A couple of errors made by Boston or St. Louis early in the game. They've led to four runs for, for Boston right now. It's 4-0 early in the game. A couple of errors, again, by the Cardinals have kept some innings going. And I don't know if anybody else out there has seen this, but the umpire in this World Series game David Ortiz was batting, hit a ground ball to second. They were going to turn two. The second baseman didn't even catch the ball, and they ruled him out. Usually you get you can transfer and you drop the ball, it's fine. They'll call the out of second. But the ball hit the top of the glove and went off of his glove, and the, the umpire was emphatic about it being out. So that's a big, long call there. But guess what? And I've never seen this before either in a game of this magnitude, Trey, I've never seen an umpire get together with his crew and overturn a call like this. I mean, have you ever seen anything like it? No, I mean, you're, I mean I'm guessing um, that, you know, maybe maybe we need to start figuring out things in baseball, Tarvin, because, I mean, I think it was the right call. I mean, do you, do you disagree? No, it was <laughs> – I was amazed that the umpire was standing right in front of this play and he couldn't make the right call. That's, I mean, should he be a major league umpire? What are you looking at? Are you looking at his <laughs> shoes? Are you looking at his I, – I don't know. To make that call, and he, he tried to sell it, Trey. The umpire tried to sell this call, and nobody was buying it. And, and you have to feel for Matheny, the Cardinals coach. You know, he was wanting um, the call to go his way. You don't give somebody $1,000 and come and take it back 30 seconds later. I understand his frustration, but – is this something that, that that needs to – I mean, is this something that happened that maybe speeds up the instant replay process in baseball? Well, I think, to be honest, I think if um, it had gone the other way and they had not did it on the field, then I would say, um, yeah, maybe. But now, now given the fact that we have the right call, um, you know, it's going to be hard to, uh, to speed it up. I mean, I think we're going to get there. <laughs> but, I mean, I've never – I mean, what would have happened if – I think the umpires got together and said, look, you screwed this call up. We usually don't overturn judgment calls, but if we call this uh, an out, we're going to get killed on this field in Boston. So if this game had been in St. Louis, Trey, what would the outcome be on that play? <laughs> I think it's still the same. I think the other umpires are like, hey, bro, <laughs> you know how wrong that was, right? And he's like, yeah, so, hey, uh, and they're like, yeah. <laughs> Yes, if I'd have been the crew chief, I'd have, I'd have walked out there and told him, we'll overturn this call, and I want you to fake sick, fake hurt, do something, and get out of here. But 
Boston is up five to nothing on St. Louis Trey. And the question I want to ask you is early in the game, uh Wainwright hasn't gotten too many pitches. When is the time do you pull Wainwright, hopefully, and maybe save him for down the road? This game's over. Yeah, I think it will. I mean, then you get to that point where you don't want to burn your bullpen. You maybe let Wainwright um, see if he can at least you know, get you a couple more innings without getting too deep in this game. But uh, you're right. They're going to have to make a decision pretty soon about what they're going to do with Wainwright. Because, um, and Paul says, do you want to save him? Yeah, you want to save him. I mean, Wainwright's a 20-game winner. He's have a pitcher. I mean, yeah, everybody has a bad game. You definitely want him in there for your next game. Well, well, the key to winning on the road, game one of the World Series in Boston, is first you don't make two errors in the first couple of innings of the game. It just seems like everything's going against St. Louis. But, you know, Boston is not the best pitching team either. I mean, they, their bullpen is not as bad as it used to be, but they can give up runs. So if you're St. Louis, you've got to just get out of this inning and you've got to start chipping away and hopefully – I mean, these, this St. Louis team has hit straight. They're not in the World Series just, you know, because they're a bunch of scrubs. Yeah. No, but, yeah, I'm absolutely. Yeah. This is Carlos Beltran's first World Series, and seems like he's been playing baseball forever. I mean, how does he look at this series when he comes in? Is he feeling the pressure, you think, or is he a veteran now and he really doesn't – the pressure doesn't get to it? Well, I think the World Series gets to just about anybody, that kind of pressure. But what I do think is, is he's the type of player that will um, you know, be able to look past that. Okay, well, I made my prediction before the game, Boston and six in this series. I, I just think Boston, they won the toughest division in baseball, in my opinion. And, I mean, they play in the American League. I mean, there's not – I mean, this. you look through the lineup, you don't have a bunch of great hitters, but you have a bunch of feisty hitters, really, that play hard baseball. Who are you going with, Trey? I think you're a St. Louis homer, so I, I figure you're going to pick them. Uh, homer? <laughs> Uh, that's interesting. What, what have I been up to in a St. Louis homer? Um, I'm joking. I, I, I did pick on our show. I'm going to stick with our prediction on the show, St. Louis in seven. I'm not I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon with Boston like you are. No, I'm, I'm not jumping on the bandwagon. I've been on the bandwagon for Boston. But since, I don't, since yesterday. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, since yesterday. Exactly. No, no tonight, man, tonight. After that first couple of innings, you know, I decided that, that Boston was going to win this series, but still a lot of baseball left to play, and I just want to see instant replay in baseball just for situations like that. But, Trey, you're a professional, for God's sake, as an umpire. We, me and you have talked about this a hundred times. I mean, when are these officials going to start getting better? But, anyway, big news in college football. Miami, Trey, after three years, it took the NCAA three mm-hmm. years to hand out three or non-scholarship losses to Miami. I mean, Maybe they could have done it in two, you think? No, man, that's uh, you're asking a lot. I mean, what do they have, like uh, 400 people working there? I mean, what do you expect them to do, man? they got lunch lunch breaks and, you know, all kind of stuff going on. Yeah, I want to give the call-in number. If anybody wants to call and weigh in tonight, uh, big show lined up. We're going we're gonna to entertain you tonight, 646-716-5564. Again, six four six seven one six five five six four. I see several already in the studio. If you want to talk, press number one. We'll get you in. If you want to listen, just do not press number one. But, but Trey, I think looking at everything that went against Miami, if you have the documentation in front of you and you read everything that happened, there's no way 
that that they get off this easy. Did the NCAA go easy on these guys because they botched the investigation up um, early on in it? Well, I mean, that's certainly part of it, Tarvin, but you got to remember, too, there were a lot of self-imposed um, penalties already, and so, you know, they accounted for that, I think. I mean, you know, they put a two-year bull ban on themselves and scholarship productions and all kinds of stuff, so... I think the NCA saw that they had taken a lot of affirmative steps to sort of mitigate this the entire, you know, before, you know, like I said, we talked about how long this took. So I think that's a big part of what Miami was able to do in this regard to get such a little punishment. Uh, but I think if, if they hadn't done that, Tarvin, it would have been a much harder punishment. Well, I mean, you're you're taking bowls away from your team when you suck. I mean, it's not like they're really punishing the program. I mean, this team... I can't even remember. I know two years ago they weren't even bowl eligible. Last year they would have won their division, right, and played in the ACC championship game, but they forfeited that, correct? Right, and they, they certainly would have made a bowl. I mean, that's the point. Is they, they were bowl eligible last year. They would have been in a bowl, and then, you know, they, they self-imposed. So, you know, I give them credit for that, Tarvin, because, I mean, obviously you're looking at, um, you know, proactive steps. That's what you want to see programs do when they are in trouble. Uh, obviously, Miami was in a lot of trouble, and for a lot of good reasons. I mean, they they really screwed up. Um, but well, you know, well, Trey, you know, this ought to be a lesson to all these college teams out here. Like, if you see trouble, if you find there's there's going to be issues, why not go ahead and take control? Like, if you they say, well, what about USC? They're going to be upset because of this. Well, Southern Cal tried to cover it all up. They didn't self-impose anything, really. And same thing yeah. with Ohio State. But if you look at you look at Miami, they did self-impose. They did punish themselves. And you're you're absolutely correct. The the bowl bans actually they they took care of themselves. And I don't agree with a bowl ban for Miami really after they've already done what they did. But still, nine scholarships that's a that's a slap on the wrist to Miami program. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, they couldn't hit harder, uh, absolutely. But, you know, Tarvin, I agree with you that I think that ultimately what came out of here is the right decision. I mean, they, I don't think they deserve any worse than they imposed upon themselves and what, what obviously the NCA added to that. Well, well, Trey, I have to ask you real quick. I mean, after Saturday night, you watched Florida State, your Seminoles, win the game in, in a blowout fashion. How do you feel now that the dust has settled? How do you feel about your Florida State Seminoles? Well, you know, I think that, um, you know, somebody asked me this this week, and um, what I told them was the same thing I'll tell you guys on the show, is I'll know more in two weeks. I mean, am I, am I getting there? Yeah. But like any Florida State fan with reality, you know, we all have our, uh, what I call truck stop fans for every team, you know, the guys who pick up the hat at the gas station and, don't really know anything about the program, but they're the ones who call in and make the most fuss. Um, I think I look at reality, and Florida State's had a lot of chances to be good uh, over these past couple years. But, you know, I want to see against NC State, who beat them last year, and I want to see how they handle success. I want to see how they handle Miami, Tarvin, and I don't know a lot about what they're going to do then. I think, you know, right now they're doing pretty well. I mean, what they did against Clemson um, certainly made a statement, but if you recall, they made a pretty good statement against them last year as well. Well, Trey, what's what's funny is, and you're talking about the way fans are, I, I looked in the message board Sunday. You know, Auburn fans, some of them are crazy. Some of them are, you know, realistic. But I looked at some of them saying they 
they're already getting their hotels in Miami for the national championship game, and I'm like, oh my god, man. But let's let's beat Florida Atlantic first. But I mean, these fans for Auburn are cracking me up right now, and I'm the biggest Auburn fan out there. And still, ten wins would be uh, just the best season ever right now. But Trey. If you're an Auburn fan, are you are you booking hotel rooms in, in Miami right now for the national championship game? <laughs> no, I mean here's the thing. I mean, <laughs> it's all about it's all about managing expectations. I mean, is um, is Auburn having a, a really good year? Absolutely. I mean, am I super impressed with what they're uh, able to do? Uh, absolutely. But at the same point, Carson, you've got to sort of manage your expectations because I mean. You know, Auburn still has a long way to go before they're, you know, actually there. But, you know, I mean, you got a lot of games, including one against the old Roll Tide, you know, defending national champion. Uh, you win that game, Tarvin, and then you start booking some hotels. Well, the thing about a team, and, and Trey, how many teams have you have you seen go from 3-9 and nine to winning the national championship? I, I mean, they're in the rebuilding stage and, Laying the foundation, you're going to have a signature win sometimes. Tennessee had theirs last weekend, and Auburn had theirs. But I, I just I think it's a, a process because now you have to come down off that high and you have to play football. Thank God Florida Atlantic's come in, but we'll get into college football in a little while. I just had to throw that out there. But some interesting news, and I don't know how much you've heard about this, is after the Florida State game, and maybe this is some Clemson fans making it up, but some journalists. Reporters have asked Taj Boyd and Dabo Sweeney that they're hearing that Taj Boyd and a couple other players at Clemson are in debt, eighty thousand plus, eighty thousand plus actually in debt, and they're kind of investigating, looking into the last couple of games with Clemson shaving points. Have you heard anything about this? Only from you. I mean, <laughs> uh, I haven't heard anything about this from any source uh, that I that I keep up with. Um, well, but, it's, yeah, it's actually on ESPN today, though, Trey. It's actually being reported that that Clemson is investigating this, and they're looking into it. Doesn't mean it's true, but Clemson is looking into this. That's on ESPN today. Yeah, I just looked at it. See, you heard it here well, from way in sports talk first, so I broke the news. All right. Well, I'm, I'm still not. I'm, I still haven't seen it on uh, in the. Um, anything I follow on Twitter or anything like that, but so I haven't heard about it, Tarvin. So I can't, I can't really spe- speculate. I'm, you know, I don't, I don't see it as a story on ESPN. Um, but you know, I don't give it any weight. I mean, here's what I give weight to in, the, in all the stories I've seen out of Clemson <laughs> in the last couple of weeks, and I'll ask you what I, what you give weight to. Dallas Sweeney did say that if they played Florida State ten times, they would win five of them, Tarvin. You buying or selling that? Um. I'm going to sell it. I think Florida State wins 10 out of 10 <laughs> after watching that dominance in Clemson. You have to remember, this was a night game in Clemson on the biggest stage, and you got skull drug from the first quarter to the fourth. And and you finally scored that 14 point when the, the fourth team and the mascot was out there. Good job, Clemson. But, no, Trey, Florida State separated themselves from Clemson. Now, if it comes out that Taj Boyd intentionally threw the game on purpose, then I may – say something different, but I don't think that happened. I think that's a Clemson's dream that that happened, but in reality, <laughs> Florida, State, Florida State made a point the other night. Not only are they a legitimate national championship contender, they moved up to two, but they have the best player in the country, no doubt about it. Well, you know, here's the thing. It's funny because, uh, you know, I've heard 
And what, what I do kind of agree with is if you look at the season right now, Tarvin, and, and I'm not saying um, this is the way it's going to be, there are three teams that have differentiated themselves from the rest of the field. And that's Florida State, that's Oregon, and that's, of course, the University of Alabama. Now, I'm not saying that Baylor and Missouri can't get there. What I'm saying is right now, if I look at all the undefeated teams in the country, I look at those three as right now being played some competition that I look at as valuable, and I look at them having differentiated themselves against those opponents. Baylor and Missouri have a shot. And I've, you know, you, t- you talk about what if Missouri runs the table, what if Baylor runs the table. I mean, who knows? But, you know, Tarvin, I, I look at those three teams as being uh, a little bit better right now in the season than the other two. And I'm, in, and I'm not including Ohio State yet, Tarvin, because, you know, I think obviously Ohio State's got a long way to go. Yeah, I think you're right. The three teams have separated themselves. And, and we'll talk about Missouri in a few minutes. I'm not ready to to crown them SEC champions, not even East champions just yet. But if I look at three teams that I have a lot of confidence in right now, it's Alabama, Florida State, and Oregon. And, and it'll work itself out. Oregon, next week, Oregon will be number two if they win, and they'll just keep going mm-hmm. back and forth. Trey, what is it going to take for Florida State? Just say, in this instance, Alabama, Oregon, and Florida State go undefeated. Who's going to get left out? And, and if, if so, who gets left out? Why do they get left out? If, if all, you with just those three to go undefeated? Yep, that's it. You know, I think at that point, I've heard um, – you know, a lot of people saying, well, it's clearly going to be Florida State. And it very well could be. Um, but, you know, it's hard to say because you don't know who other teams are going to lose to. And so, you know, what if Stanford lost three games? Or what if, you know, or you know, what if there's no team in the Pac-12 who, who has one loss and look in the top ten? And what if Clemson runs the table? Then it may be Florida State because of the strength of schedule and because, you know, of that kind of stuff. And, then, you know, look at BCS opponents and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, on paper, it looks like it would be Oregon going, Tarvin. Um, because of, you know, I'm looking at Stanford and UCLA as being really quality opponents and maybe even Oregon State by the time they play there. But you just don't know right now because you don't know who's going to fall apart right now. Well, I think you have to look at, you know, last year, everyone wanted Alabama-Oregon, I think, and they've heard, you know, they wanted to see that matchup. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. year, before the season started, everybody wanted to see the matchup, Alabama-Oregon. And I think that's what gets Florida State out of it, keeps them out of it. And it's uh, what Oregon's done over the past several years, the consistency of making BCS bowls. They did play for a championship in 2010. Um, I think Florida State, because they play in the ACC and the Pac-12 is stronger in people's eyes right now, I think Oregon and Alabama make it. But but like you said, if Stanford loses to Oregon State this weekend, Oregon State turns around and loses to Arizona, and it just keeps going like that. And all of a sudden, the Stanford-Oregon game doesn't mean as much. And Florida State, Miami – Miami wins out after that, and they, you know, there's so many different scenarios. But here's the question I want to ask. I mean, there's a one-loss SEC team now, Trey, with all the chaos going on in the college football world in the SEC. Does a one-loss team make it to the national championship game? Well, you know, I've been thinking about that, too. And, you know, right now it's hard to see that happening because, you know, you have six legitimate you know, I would, I would say quasi-legitimate uh, teams with a shot, and that's including Ohio State because if they're the only undefeated, I think they get in. Um, they're probably, if all six teams, you know, and I know that's impossible, but if all six teams were undefeated, I mean, they would be the ones left out. But, you know, I, I just right now it doesn't seem like a one-loss team is going to get in because, I mean, like you might have some unbeaten. But we thought that last year too, and, you know, that, that didn't happen. 
Yeah, I think I think Alabama is the only team possible to get into a national championship game out of the SEC this year, and and maybe and this is a dreamland, the pie dream. If Auburn ran the table from here on out, Oregon and Florida State lost, then they would get in. But I just don't see all these teams losing this year. I could be wrong. I'm not Nostradamus now. I don't I don't know everything, but I'm but I'm going to tell you from what I see on the field. It's going to take great games to beat Florida State or Oregon, looking at their schedule. Now, Alabama still has some traps ahead of them, so I think if they went out, you know, they're going to be tough to beat. But, Trey, I, I could be wrong here, but, you know, upsets do happen. But Florida State, to beat them, you're going to have to really beat them. They're not going to beat themselves, I don't think. And same thing goes with Oregon. They're just too talented. And it's going to be an interesting race to the finish, and we'll talk some college football in a few minutes. But, Trey, on uh, – Sunday night, we'll talk about Sunday night football. We were we were live during the game going on, Denver, on the road to Indianapolis. I mean, what is it with Peyton Manning when big games come up? Why can't he play football and actually win? Andrew Luck showed him what it took to win again in Indianapolis. Indianapolis is becoming a physical football team. And I did hear some people say that Indianapolis was the best team in the NFL. Do you agree with that? Well, I had to think about that one for a second. Um, I Best team, I don't know, man. You got to look at the, their wins have been. I mean, you got to got to think about it because I mean, I think they they beat Seattle, right? They beat Seattle and Denver and San Francisco and San Francisco. Yeah, that's pretty pretty big company. I mean, they have an argument. Uh, you know, it took me a second to you know, go, man, and just digest the fact that the Indianapolis Colts could be the best team in football, considering how you know the beginning of the year I left them out of the playoffs. Um, but yeah, it's possible, and that team has grown a lot further than I thought they were going to be. I mean, Andrew Luck is phenomenal. We knew he would be. But it, it, to me, Tarvin, it's the defense. I'm surprised at how good defensively they are right now. I mean, they went from a team that won two games two years ago or something like that and, and were just lost defensively. And now you kind of knew that they were going to be pretty decent offensively. I mean, with, you know, T.Y. Hilton, Hayward Bay, you know, Reggie Wayne, who, of course, is out for the year now. And then, you know, the running backs. And then all of a sudden defensively, they figured it all out quick, Tarvin. But I still can't get, you know, even though they beat Denver, Seattle, and San Francisco, I can't get two games out of my head. The, the Miami Dolphins game, but that last Monday night game they played against San Diego, they looked like a high school team. So I guess the consistency for Indianapolis concerns me, but they're getting better. And that's that's the thing. Andrew Luck has brought a physical mentality to this team, which I never thought I would see. Denver, to me, I can't say they're the best team, trade because – I just think they're soft. When I look at the Denver Broncos, I just think a very soft football team. So I guess the best teams to me right now are San Francisco, Seattle, and Indianapolis, those three teams. But before I – I'm not buying Kansas City at, the, at number one. I don't care what the record is. But I'm going to have to put San Francisco and Seattle up at number one and two right now. But I'm going to put Indianapolis at, at number three. But I need to see more consistency. Denver, Trey, showed me a lot how soft they are, really. They played Jacksonville. They looked terrible, gave up a lot of points and yards, and now they lay an egg against Indianapolis, Trey. Their defense is not good enough to win when it counts in the playoffs. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much better they get with Vaughn Miller getting in playing shape. I mean, he played against Indy and looked all that great. But we'll have to see how he – I mean, he's really been a cog in that sort of um, that motor of def- the defense for Denver I'm interested to see if he starts making plays and, and creating some turnovers for them because they kind of need that guy on the defense in that front seven, sort of 
you know, dominating, getting sacks, you know, stripping the football. Uh, I've sort of seen that uh, missing from them recently. Well, Trey, I have to ask one question now. Monday Night Football, I mean, I was glued to my TV. I couldn't move. I mean, it was so exciting to watch the New York Giants and the Minnesota Vikings go at it on Monday Night Football. My question is, Trey, are the Giants back now after that monumental victory over the Vikings on Monday? <laughs> um, sure, Tarvin. You buy into that stock. <laughs> I got some uh, oceanfront property in the middle <laughs> of Arizona for you, buddy. Uh, it's, it's a good deal. No, I don't think the Giants are back. I mean, they didn't even look great in that win. Of course, the Vikings are still lost. I mean, Freeman apparently has a concussion. Uh, he looked terrible. I couldn't even believe they even started him in that game. Um, so the Vikings are just unfortunately um, really bad. I think the Giants won a game against who is worse. Yeah, I was being sarcastic for him. For anybody that that didn't pick that up on the radio, in case you couldn't see my face, uh, Trey, the Giants are bad. And and when I looked at the Vikings the other night, they're worse. But they did cover the four. I'm very happy the Giants covered the spread the other night. That makes me a little happy. But I just look at the Giants, and Tom Coughlin, for some reason, he's lost his team. And can he get it back, Trey? I'm not – I mean, yes, I'm talking about firing a coach after a win. Well, I mean, Coughlin's a really good football coach. I mean, I, I can't figure out what's going on with the Giants. You know, maybe they have lost the team. Um, but, you know, I mean, one bad year, you know, does that make it? I mean, the Giants weren't great last year. Um, you know, so maybe, I don't know, Tarvin, maybe they're on a decline overall. Um, we'll have to see, but the Giants are one of those programs that they won't allow their coach, no matter how many Super Bowls he's won for them, to lose two years in a row. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Well, to me, they haven't been that bad. I know they've won the Super Bowl, and, and but looking at them in the regular season, they've always underachieved. I mean, it's just like they barely get into the playoffs and then they start picking it up. I guess the goal is to win the Super Bowl. It's not how many regular season games you win. But to me, I think good coaches win regular season too. I mean, Philadelphia got rid of Andy Reid, and, and look what, what that did for him. I mean, he's at Kansas City undefeated. Maybe Coughlin if he doesn't retire, just needs a change of scenery. Maybe the team needs a, some new leadership. It doesn't mean Coughlin's a bad coach. You can lose a team and be a good coach in a way. It just happens, especially in the professional level. So I'm just thinking it's time for a change. Uh, I think he needs to go somewhere else and kind of get some younger players, really, and help develop them up. But I think his days in New York are numbered. They're not going to take seasons like this much. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, this is one of those places that just – uh, will not allow, um, you know, defeat this long to, to go on. Well, Trey, we're going to go through we're going to go through our games you picked for us. But at the end of it, I'm going to give you my top two picks with the point spread. It doesn't doesn't mean they're the best games out there to watch. It means the two top point spreads in the NFL. So write them down. Hold me accountable. That's fine with me. And it could be the two games on the list. All right, all right. All right, all right, Trey, so go ahead and get us started. So, number five, Tarvin, and this is, um, you know, I saw some comments about, you know, hey, this is a low week for games, and it really is. There's not a whole lot of storylines for, like, playoff matchups. But I, I, took, I took a couple ones that I thought were a little bit intriguing for a couple reasons. And number five is the two and four Steelers at the two and four Raiders. 
Uh, we haven't given the Raiders any love on our show to even talk about them, and not much for the Steelers. But Tarvin, I, I picked this, and, and I've seen the picks on the on the our pick them, and it's been all over the board. I mean, we have seen Steelers, and I've seen a lot of Raiders picks. So, I mean, looking at this game, the Steelers are, are winners right now, Tarvin. They've won two in a row, one on the road and one at home. And then, you know, Oakland hasn't looked great. They're 0-3 on the road, but they're 2-1 and at home. And, you know, with a quarterback named Terrell Fryer, of all people, uh, they lost one coming into this one, Tarvin. What do you think? Oakland uh, going to look good at home? Or as, uh, as Pittsburgh figured it out? Well, we both picked Pittsburgh to win two in a row, I believe. And they're 2-4 and four now. And I think going all the way out to the West Coast, I think the Raiders will be ready, Trey. Didn't the Raiders have a bye week? Uh, I wanted to say yes. Maybe Paul can tell us in the chat room. I think they did. And uh, and the thing is, Pittsburgh, to me, is not a road team this year. They're 1-2 on the road. I just don't see enough consistency on this team to to be able to go on the road and even beat Oakland. Oakland has a good defense. They are fee. They they play scrappy now. I just think Pittsburgh's going to struggle on the road in the afternoon game. And they're going to lose, Drake. I like Oakland to take care of business in this game. I don't know what Pryor can do, but I do think he's going to have a good game. I think he's going to do just enough to get him by with a field goal at the end of the game, and Pittsburgh goes down. Yeah, I mean, you know, here's the thing about about this game, Tarvin, is one, I think Le'Veon Bell has changed the game a lot for Pittsburgh. I mean, he's looking I mean he's getting better each week. If if for some reason in some random league you have he's available, you gotta pick him up. I mean those owners who stashed him away are really gonna be thankful about the end of the year, uh the Michigan State rookie. And I think that's helped uh balance that offense out. Ben Roethlisberger is getting the ball downfield to both to Brown really well now. Uh he's looking like a good receiver. But you know, Oakland's been playing pretty tough. I mean they've uh, 105 points for, 132 against. So it's you know they they're playing folks uh, decently tough. Uh, they've been terrible on the road, but at home they've been scrappy. Tarvin, I, I agree with you. I think this is kind of a pick 'em. I think this is going to be an entertaining game to watch. It's going to be close. I think whoever is losing is going to have the ball uh, with less than two minutes to go and probably driving. But I'm going to go with the home team, and I like Janikowski as the kicker if they need to get a long field goal and the Coliseum. So I'm going to Oakland to win as well. So. Wow, Tarvin, a lot of Raider well, picks, but there it well, is. Question for you: Question for you: How many beers will Janikowski have at that time of kick? Well, I think if he doesn't have a couple, he's probably going to miss it. All right. Well, Miguel in the chat room he said that prior speed was going to be too much for the Steelers, and I totally 100% agree with him. I think he's going to make plays with his feet. And I think their defense at home will get enough adrenaline going and some energy to to hold down Pittsburgh. Because, look, Pittsburgh is happy now, Trey. They've won two in a row. That They feel like everything's coming back together. And I think once they lose this game, the Steelers start falling apart. So I like Oakland in this one. And welcome, Miguel, in the chat room. And Paul Ewing, Jason Humphrey, the guest 7301. Make sure you register with Block Talk Radio. Get a free account and join us in the chat room. Um, Trey, I can't believe we're both on this. I didn't think you would pick Oakland, but it looks like Jason Humphrey is picking uh, Pittsburgh and Paul Ewing's picking Oakland with us. So we've got like four Oakland picks to one Pittsburgh. That's very surprising. Yeah, and uh, Joshua Shaw has already picked uh, oh, excuse me, Pittsburgh as well. So 
Uh, Tarver, that moves us on to our number four game. It's the Seattle Seahawks, who are six and one, traveling on the road to the three and four Rams, uh, minus San, uh, San Bradford, who has blown his ACL uh, out for the year, one of many injuries in the NFL to big time players. Uh, we just mentioned Reggie Wayne before that. So, Tarvin, the reason I had this in there is I'm a little intrigued by the Rams, even without their quarterback. They played Seattle so tough last year, and they're actually pretty good at home, being 2-1. and one. They've been another one of those terrible, terrible road teams. In Seattle, their one loss is on the road, Tarvin. So what do you think? Is this a mismatch, or is this one of those sneaky games? No, it's, it's not. The only thing sneaky is, is how how many times Pete Carroll is going to do something dirty to get the ball or, or score. But, no, this is not going to be a close game. But I have a question for you. Do you still think Sam Bradford's the hit out of bounds was dirty? Because I went back and watched it, I'm, and I'm not saying this to be to go against you. I'm being honest. I watched that hit ten times, and not once did I ever think it was dirty. So I just want to see if you went back and watched it again, if you changed your mind or what. Absolutely. I watched, I watched it again. I watched the whole play, not just the – you know, the very end, I watched, you know, the player raise his hand and celebrate. Yeah, I still think it's dirty. It's still out of bounds. Uh, he's still celebrating afterwards. Yeah, it's still dirty. Okay, I just want to see if I could change your mind on that one. So everybody <laughs> out there, go look at this and tell me if I'm wrong or Trey's wrong. One of us is wrong here, so send us a message. Call us on the show, 646-716-5564. And I just can't believe we disagree on this, but but we're going to see, Trey. We're going to see what everybody thinks. I'm going to do a poll out on our website to see, you know, what's it dirty, what's not dirty. <laughs> All right. Uh, Seattle, I'm Seattle, Trey. I, I just don't think this is going to be a game. Seattle's one of the best teams in the NFL, and you're you're breaking in a quarterback after your starter went out. So your starter wasn't that good anyway, and now he's out. So I, I just really don't see how they're going to beat Seattle. They're a ten and a half point favorite. I think it should be about thirteen and a half. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think you know the off. I'm really, but I am interested to see if uh, a quarterback who's a little bit more mobility than Bradford does can actually get the ball to the weapons. Because I mean, the thing about Bradford is, I think at times he held the ball a little bit long. I mean, he's got some some young receivers who who clearly aren't running you know precise routes. So maybe he didn't have enough confidence then. You know, rookie and Tavon Austin and, you know, guys like Quick and Pettis. But they, they got some talent there. So I'm wondering, wondering if a fresh quarterback may, you know, not be playing, you know, hesitant, uh, just playing out there because, you know, he's a backup and this is a shot. Uh, we'll see. I, I don't know. I'm a little interest, interested to see uh, what happens. But um, moving on, Tarvin, I'm going to pick Seattle easy as well. I'll move on to our number three game, which is uh, the 3-3 three and three Dolphins who started off the year as gangbusters 3-0, and oh, uh, break out the you know undefeated Dolphins season memorabilia. They're going to run the table. Uh, they're back. Well, they've lost three in a row, Tarvin, and the Patriots are five and two. And Tarvin, they've had a little bit of a losing ways themselves recently. So, but they're now at home. What do you think, buddy? Well, I think being back at home now, having Gronkowski play his first game to get that the butterflies out, whatever, get some timing. They had a whole week of practice. I just don't think Miami's heading in the right direction to go on the road and beat New England. I mean, like you said, they've lost three in a row. You're not going to turn it around in Foxborough coming off a loss. I like Tom Brady to pick this Miami team apart, and I think they get rolling again. I think uh, Kurkowski there is going to make a huge difference, and hopefully they can trade and get a big-time receiver before the season's over. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, what is interesting is the Dolphins seem to play better away from home, uh, but I don't think it matters this week. Um, and, uh, you know, this is this is one of those Patriots keep winning, and they probably don't look great doing it. I think they, they struggle a little bit, um, keep the Dolphins around. But uh, it's going to be a Patriots win. Yeah, I'm like, I'm with you. What are people in the chat room saying right now? I don't see any other than pass. No surprise there, Trey. And that takes us to a great game. Go ahead and get us to our number two. Our number two game, Tarvin, is uh, you know, another one of those. I think we're now getting towards the you know the interesting playoff type games. The Jets are four and three, uh, above five hundred with a rookie quarterback traveling into Bengal land, Cincinnati at 5-2, and two, who beat the Lions last week, Tarvin. The Bengals are pretty tough at home, but, you know, can Geno Smith and those Jets keep the magic going? Tarvin, are you there? Sorry, I had a bad connection right there. I apologize. I had to get it set up. Well, Cincinnati went on the road, had a huge win to Detroit. Uh, the Jets, huge win against New England, Trey. I, I just think I just think Cincinnati is good enough to win this game because it's at home, but it's going to be a very close game, low-scoring game, I think. I don't think it's going to be much scoring. The Jets' defense playing better in Cincinnati, is, I think, against the Jets' offense will look better. So I think this is a dogfight kind of game. Whoever turns the ball over is going to lose. But I like Cincinnati escaping another one, kind of like the Detroit game. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right on Cincinnati. And, by the way, Paul in the chat room posted – um, that clip for those who want to watch it, uh, and you can see, uh, you know, Bradford's hit, and you can see uh, old boy Harvey Dahl um, <laughs> coming up and protecting his dude as number 21, like, celebrates in full-on Titanic <laughs> mode. Uh, so well, you judge for yourself, chat room. But, well, hello, um, Trey. We got Paul saying it was a clean hit, and the gal saying it's clean so far, so we – you know, it's three to one. You need some help. So yeah. You better be soliciting. You better be soliciting right now. Yeah, I still think it's a flag, man. I still think it's a flag. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be a quarter, quarterback protectionist, and I'll also fly. And if nothing else, I'm flagging that guy for taunting. So, uh, I'm getting he's getting 15 <laughs> yards in my book, buddy. <laughs> I, I just love his his heart will go on moment where he's he's got his hands up. He's like on the front of the Titanic, you know. Because Brad's <laughs> laid on the ground, injured. That's <laughs> right. I'm never gonna change your mind on this, am I? <laughs> no, man. I want to come. I'm a, what is that, Mitchell? What was that guy's name, Mitchell? He's gonna he's gonna start being Leonardo DiCaprio in my book. He's he's the he's on the front of Titanic over Sam Bradford when he's hitting the iceberg. Oh God, that's hilarious. Well, I mean Cincinnati. I mean, five and two, the Jets four and three. Trey, I don't, I don't think we had the Jets winning four games all season. I know I didn't, but if they get away, if they pull out a victory on the road in Cincinnati, and they they're five and three, what are their shots of winning this division? Because they're only going to get better. Geno Smith's going to get more comfortable. When do you start taking these guys serious as a contender in the East? Well, I mean, I think to me, um, you know, they're going to have to to get a little closer um, toward you know, I'd say a few more games, I guess, to me. I mean, at 5-3, and three, if they win this game, that's going to be a big step because, I mean, Cincinnati's undefeated at home. They're 3-0. and out. They're one of those teams that protect their house and are 500 on the road, which is kind of the, you know, the patchwork for a playoff team. So if they go into Cincinnati and they can beat them, 
I mean, that's a huge, huge moment for Geno Smith and that confidence. So you're right. I mean, they they could be looking at the playoff, you know, contention there. Well, well, Trey Cuervo is on the line with us, and I'm going to back Steph, and I want his opinion on this Sam Bradford injury. Uh, was the hit on Bradford was it clean? Was it dirty? Was it intentional? Cuervo, how's it going, buddy? I'm good, guys. How are you this evening? What's well, up, Cuervo? Hey, and congratulations on your Tennessee Volunteers victory the other day. I just had to throw that out there for you. Oh, was that epic or what? I mean, I had to that, – that was my one Saturday of the month, Brian, that I had to work. And, I mean, I, I got to catch the last minute of it think, thanks to the, uh, the very helpful ESPN, Watch ESPN app. But <laughs> what I – you know, I mean, I got to the last minute, and, and I guess that was the best part, but – um, yeah, I mean, this is for, you know, the first win that they have over a uh, top 15 team since since they beat South Carolina last time. And the, but that was like, what, five, six years ago, I think it was. So, um, you know, Tennessee's been waiting a long time for a win like that. And, you know, uh, I was very happy to see them to finally get a win like that. Well, congratulations. And we're going to talk Bama, Tennessee, and our college pick them tonight. So, Hopefully you can join us for that. But Sam Bradford's play, was it dirty, Cuervo, in your mind? Trey's saying it is. I'm saying it's not. And and if I'm wrong, I want to know. I want to hear from as many people as I can. I just didn't see anything dirty with that play. Well, before I get into that, I mean, congratulations goes to you as well on your Auburn Tigers. I mean, they, they got a big win as well this weekend. And um, I know Ole Miss has been falling off the map. But, I mean, still, it's it's still a nice win. Um but, yeah, it was Ole Miss they beat, right? Maybe I'm no, going crazy. No, it's Texas A&M. Oh, A&M. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was A&M. Yeah, well, well, they beat A&M <laughs> either way. But uh, I, I'm, I'm on the wrong week, guys. But uh, the Sam Bradford hit, I didn't see anything wrong with it. I mean, I've seen it a couple times. I personally didn't see anything wrong with it. He just kind of fell awkwardly. And, I mean, to me, that was, you know, just a, uh, you know, a very unfortunate thing for the Rams and, I heard they've been working out five, six different quarterbacks, guys. That's how that's how much <laughs> confidence they don't have in Kellen Clemens, the backup. And uh, you know, good luck to uh, St. Louis finding that next quarterback because it's going to be tough. Well, Cuervo, real quick, Bengals or the Jets? Who do you have winning this weekend? No, oh, I, I think the Bengals win this game. I mean. I heard you guys talking just a minute ago. If anybody out there really thinks that the Jets are a contender, I, I, I mean, I said it at the beginning. I thought they were the worst team in the NFL. I'm eating crow on that, guys. I'll admit it. <laughs> uh, I still don't believe in the Jets, though. I don't think they're, you know, just, you know, all of a sudden one of the better teams in the AFC. It's going to take a lot for them to compete with, you know, New England in the division, despite the fact, yeah, they beat them. You know, that was, you know, it, it happens. But I still think they got a long ways to go to compete in that division alone. I mean, Miami looks better this year. If, of course, you always got to uh, worry about the Patriots. So, and then you know, Buffalo. You just never know. One week they look great, the next week they they look terrible. So, um, for the Jets, I mean, they just you know just keep riding that Geno Smith train and see where it takes you. Yeah, well, Trey Trey picked us a good game for number one. Trey Trey picked the Dallas Cowboys four and three on the road at four and three Detroit. Now this is a a game they're probably going to run a lot of 
bipolar commercials on and schizophrenia, Trey. I, I can see it. Detroit, Dallas, which team shows up? Yeah, I mean, this is the battle of inconsistent teams for sure. Dallas is 3-1 and one at home, but this is, again, 1-2 one and, one and two on the road. Uh, they're 3-0 and in their division, so they're good in their division. Uh, but 1-2 and two on the road against Detroit, who lost at home last week to a good Bengals team, uh, but generally played decent at home, Tarvin. So, you know, the, the one stat I'll, that sticks up in my mind for Dallas is they're 4-0 in the NFC, so I guess, I guess they're doing okay in the NFC, Tarvin. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with Dallas in this game. I think it's going to be high scoring. But I think uh, Romo is playing at a pretty high highest level right now, and you know, and so and with you know Johnson coming back for the Lions, I think it's going to be a, you know an offensive shootout or a lot of points in this game. But I actually think you know the ball right now, and and, and you know when you have a motivated wide receiver for Dallas right now and getting called called out for saying that he's the best receiver in the game, uh, <laughs> he thought he was, and he's really not. But Calvin Johnson is. So I mean, this is an interesting story going into this game. A lot of talk. Uh, for an NFL game, so I'm, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Well, DeMarco Murray is is doubtful for this game, and, and I, I have a feeling if he doesn't play, it's going to make Dallas one-dimensional, which I think is going to favor Detroit's defense, Cuervo. I'm going to go with Detroit at home, a bounce-back win. I think Dallas has, has been playing well. Um, they still not impressed me. They are good enough to win the division, of course, because that division is terrible. But I have to go with Detroit at home. I think Megatron's going to show who's the best receiver in the nation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this guy only broke records last year, so I don't even know why Des Bryant even has, you know, what business he has even trying to, com- you know, compete with him in any type of way. I mean, it, it, but it's words. You know, and I think that's the way Calvin Johnson's looking at it. You know, you could talk all you want, but let's go on the field and let's see who the best receiver is now. What I look at in this game, guys, I look at the way to beat, to beat Detroit on the offensive side, the way to really limit them is to get pressure on Stafford because we all know Stafford is the type of guy that you put a little pressure on him, he's going to make some bad throws. And, you know, you, you could say, well, any, any quarterback can do that. Well, I mean, with Stafford specifically, I mean, you put some pressure on him, he's going he's gonna to give you some gifts defensively. So the question is, can do, does Dallas have the personnel to do that? And, I mean, obviously, you know, you got to focus on the fact that DeMarcus Ware uh, probably won't be there for this team. So will Dallas be able to – pressure Matthew Stafford into making bad throws. I just don't know if that's going to happen, guys. And then, like you said, I mean, defensively for Detroit, you know, they got the people to to do exactly what I'm saying. So I think that's what it's going to come down to. It's just going to come down to uh, which quarterback gets more pressure, uh, you know, which defensive line gets more pressure on, their, on, the, uh, on the quarterback. So, Right now, I, I have to give the edge to the Detroit Lions. I think they're going to be able to get more pressure on uh, Tony Romo than Dallas will be able to with Stafford. So, um, I don't know. I, I was, it's, it, it's going to be a very close game, though. I can understand why this is your all's number one game of the week because <laughs> there's not really much to talk about this week besides that game. I mean, hell, you got – you got a, a London game between the Jaguars and the 49ers. We all know what's going to happen in that one. So, I mean, 
that's just an example of how bad of a week this is going to be in the NFL, in my opinion. Yeah, Trey Tony Romo is he going to is he going to be running for his life against that Detroit uh, defensive line? Because you have Fairley and Sue together, there could be some suplexes coming for Tony Romo. <laughs> yeah, and with, with those two, uh, they, they there might be some eye gouges and some steel chairs. I mean. <laughs> They're going to like the 80s wrestling, I think, at some point. But, yeah, I mean, I think you know, Hatcher for uh, the Dallas Cowboys has been getting pressure. Uh, so they have some guys uh, who can. Uh, I still think that secondary for Dallas is the kind of secondary who's going to have a breakout game at some point. You know, you have Brandon Carr, who, uh, who's talented enough to frustrate Calvin Johnson. I mean, nobody's good enough to stop him, but he's talented enough to frustrate him at times, especially if, they get up in his face a little bit on the line. So, you know, with with you know with with the quarterback situation with Matthew Stafford, if you if you jam those receivers, sometimes he makes decisions uh, that are less than optimal for the Lions. So that's why I'm picking the Cowboys. But I think this is a you know a toss up pick them, Tarvin. Trey, you know what I don't like, Calvin Johnson. You know, your, your first time you you hear someone meet him or something, or you see him. That's your first impression. I remember being in Auburn a night game against Georgia Tech, and this guy named Calvin Johnson just destroyed our defense and, and blew us out in Auburn a night game, which we rarely lose. So that's why I hate Calvin Johnson, by the way. Well, I mean, you got to hate him for a reason. But, Tarvin, i gotta, I got to bring up something. This is a breaking news emergency situation. Paul Ewing in our chat room has picked the Jacksonville Jaguars to beat the San Francisco 49ers in London this weekend. And he says he's not, not making this up. And he's not, not pulling our chain. It's not April Fool's Day. Tarvin, what is Paul smoking, and, and do you want some of it? I don't want any of that because I want to be in my right mind. I, I just don't get it. Paul, what are you smoking, man? Cuervo, Jacksonville beating San Francisco. I mean, is there some special drugs in London that San Francisco is going to be trying out that, that that makes them forget how to play football for a few hours? <laughs> no, guy. I think I think Jacksonville does have a chance if San Francisco somehow doesn't make it to the game on time. That's the only <laughs> that's the only chance I give the Jaguars is if if they don't show up and they have to forfeit or something like that. But I, I mean. I don't. I don't know why. I mean, again, I mean Jacksonville is a bad team. We all know that. And did they keep it close? I don't know if you want to call it close against the Denver Broncos in Denver. Yeah, but then they went out next the next week and they lost twenty four to six to the San Diego Chargers at home. So I mean, if people are expecting for Jacksonville to have that that breakout slump game and get that first win, you could be waiting a long time because it probably isn't going to happen anytime soon. Um, if they play the Jets, they may have a chance. If they play Buffalo, they may have a chance. Guys, we could see a one-win Jacksonville team by the end of the season. I, I mean, that's what I'm really thinking. And so, yeah, I'm staying away from whatever falls wow. on too because wow. I, I want to I live to see, you know, then my next birthday. Well, I'm gonna bet the money line, Trey. If you take Jacksonville, you put a hundred, you might win ten thousand. I mean, they're they're about a fourteen, sixteen point underdog, something like that. And I, I think Jacksonville is getting better. You made a you made a valid point there, Paul. They're getting better, but you're talking about playing one of the best teams in the NFL. 
I'm not buying it, Trey, and I'm not smoking it either. So, um, I don't know. That's a crazy pick. That's one of those crazy picks that I don't even want to talk about. But I have a couple of games for everybody out there that that's picking games. The two hey, NFL Marvin. games. I'm, yes. That that's a that's a Sonny Clark pick right there. Well, that, that's worse than Sonny Clark. That's a that's a crazy <laughs> pick. I don't know, Trey. I mean, that's a that's a that's a tough pick. I don't I don't think I'm gonna go with that one. But I got to give you my two top games in the NFL. Take Detroit. That's the best pick of the day. Take Detroit in their matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. And the second pick, guys, take the Oakland Raiders and the points. You're getting two and a half points against Pittsburgh. Both are outright winners. Don't worry about anything else. Trey, I just had to give those nuggets out there for people that need it a little bit. If you're broke, you need money, listen to me, right? Well, if you're, if you're broke and you want to give away your money, you can give it to me. <laughs> oh, that's even better. Well, guys, college football is here this weekend. And, Trey, I don't know, I don't think it can get better than last week, but what what did you see when you were reviewing your 10 games this weekend? And once you tell me that, I want to talk a little – uh, targeting rule that hopefully they're going to amend in the off season and change. I just want to get y'all's take on that real quick. But Trey, when you were looking at the top ten games, how did you pick them this week? Well, I think at this point of the season, you know, you look at these games and you look at teams um, that should win, but could be looking at, at potential overlooked games. You know, those those trap games as we call them. So there's a couple on there that I think are trap games that are a couple on there uh, that at this point I have real concerns about certain players playing uh, and if what if they don't play, what happens. Uh, but uh, I think in this week and as we go forward, we're going to want to have some of these undefeated teams in our schedule almost every week uh, just in case um, to give folks a chance to talk about those possible upsets. So that's one of the things I was looking at this week, Tarvin. This was, a I think, a sparse week for, you know, big matchups. I mean, there's a – you know, four uh, matchups against top 25 teams. Other than that, there's only a few intriguing stories as in competitive-type games. I don't think we're going to see the upsets we've saw in the past two weeks, but you never know. Yeah, I don't either. Well, Sunday night, just to, just to promote it a little bit, we have a – Trey, we have an AP voter and a Heisman voter. He's in Florida. He's coming to the show. His name's John Johnson. We're going to get his Heisman Trophy, you know, ballot, what he's thinking right now, and talk about the AP poll versus the coaches poll. So if you're out there and you love college football and great information, make sure you join us Sunday night. I think we're going to do the interview around 9.15 Eastern, Trey. So I hope you're excited for that one. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, so we're going to talk about why he has Nick Marshall number one in the Heisman ballot and Auburn number two in the polls. So, Hopefully y'all can tune in for this. I'm joking on that one, but <laughs> I, I, I knew. <laughs> Trey, 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 you're like uh, I don't even want to listen to this interview now. I'm sorry, but uh, I was like, is this, like, is this your brother calling in? I know, but Trey, over the weekend we saw in the SEC we saw three targeting penalties that were thrown during the games, and all three were ejected, and I don't know if you got to see all three of these, but what are your thoughts on, on the ejections? Did you think they should have been overturned? Yeah, we talked about this last week. I mean, I, there was more than three. There was the one in the Clemson game, too, but it was three in the SEC. Uh, I, you know, like I said before, man, I, I, I don't see 
the Georgia one and all, I think that was the most ridiculous one. The other two, um, you know, they, they start they start getting closer. Uh, the one that was the most clear is the one I think you're not thinking of, which is the, the Clemson one. But uh, the one that was the most, to me, the most just ridiculous outside of the rule, shouldn't have been a penalty at all, uh, was the Georgia one. Yeah, and you, you think the official that was on the field in this game was a, I think he was a Vanderbilt graduate, and the one upstairs in the replay booth was a Florida graduate. Not not a good combo when you're playing Georgia there. Uh Cuervo, looking at the targeting rule, what do you think? What changes do you think need to be made? Because if they don't do something quick, I don't think we're going to have enough to fill the football team with all the knee injuries we have going on. Okay, guys, you'll need to fill me in. Targeting as far as like hitting in certain spots is this what it sounds like to me? What are you guys referring to exactly? Yeah, I mean, if you make contact to the head and it's a 15-yard penalty on a defenseless receiver or anyone out there, defenseless person, so you get the 15-yard flag, but you're ejected. And if it's in the second half, you're ejected for the rest of the game and the first half of the next one. What, what we're trying to talk about is these, these players are confused now because you watch football games week in and week out. Some officials call it, some don't. But I think the defensive players are confused, and they're starting to – to actually go after the knees of these players, and it's causing a lot of knee injuries. So what I'm, what I'm trying to hope you can tell us is what do you think is going to be changed in the rules to avoid these ejections and just the game of football? I think the defenses are struggling because uh, all of these targeting penalties, the players are afraid to, to take hits on receivers, and they're getting ejected for it. Yeah, and we're seeing it in the NFL too, guys. I mean, that's why, you know, that's why now Brian Cushing is out again for the season because – uh, you know, Jamal Charles, well, first of all, he's too small to block Brian Cushing. But, I mean, to go below, you know, to go low, that's what you get. You know, you have that risk. And I'm going to tell you what, guys, to be honest with you, my honest opinion is nothing's going to change. You know what they're going to do is they're going to tell these coaches or they're going to tell these, you know, these players, hey, figure it out. Figure out which refs call it more than others and then you know what kind of game you're going to get as far as, you know, from a flag standpoint. Because there are, there are certain reps that will call certain things. It's part of the game plan every week. And so the, basically what they're going to tell the coaches is, hey, figure it out. That's what you get paid to do. Is it right? Not necessarily. I don't agree with it 100%. But is that, what, is that what's going to happen? Yeah. And, and they're not going to change the rules for nobody. Well, Trey, what do you think about the ejection part of it? Because when you when you see a guy that's playing hard, and even if it's a defenseless player, he tries to hit him hard, and do you agree with getting ejected? Tell me what, what warrants an ejection in your mind. Well, I, I think when you're – I mean, when my mind and what I think the NCAA is trying to do are probably two different things, but I think what the NCAA is trying to do is change the culture. And, I, and I'll tell you, I've heard some really smart coaches talk about this, and including that's Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. I've heard some, some candid discussions with them about targeting calls and how they've been teaching it. And actually, you know, these smart guys are smart coaches, but I, I've heard some – I mean, I can't duplicate what they've said, Tarvin. They've talked about what, the way they've coached their players to avoid this, and it's not going to the knees. It's going to the chest. And to me, it makes a lot of sense. And they, they talk about how actually it's pretty good for tackling, too, if you're going to the chest. So – uh, I think some coaches are, are having to deal with some different philosophies of tackling. But it sounds like to me 
and you're talking about you know, Nick Saban being one of the best defensive minds in the game, that they're already addressing this, and they're doing it in a pretty good way. So I think that we'll, we'll get past it. Um, but, I mean, whether or not the NCAA looks at the ejection, I think they're going to have to. They have to look at the way they're ejecting. And if nothing else, that Georgia call, because that was pretty bad. Yeah, well, here's the deal. If you if here's a, if when you go to replay and you overturn it, I think the flag should be picked up as well. And you have 52 targeting calls in the SEC that are overall in college football. 14 came in the SEC. Replay officials overturned six of the 14 ejections. So, so Trey, you get you get flagged for targeting, and they look at it and say, oh, "Okay, we're going to keep you in the game." Would you like to see them pick up the penalty as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. That needs to be the next step for sure. Because I mean, yeah, I mean, here's the thing: is as a fan, you have to realize how much we we may hate it, but it's not going away because of player safety. But I think what the NCAA definitely needs to do is be able to pull the flag altogether. Because if you're not going to eject a guy, um, why do you have to leave the 15 yarder? I mean, there's just no reason for it. So um, definitely like like that idea. It's like driving down the road and getting pulled over by a cop for speeding and. And they come out and say, "Well, well, okay, you 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 weren't speeding. We're not going to take you to jail, but here's a two hundred fifty dollar fine anyway. You're going to have to pay it." So, I mean, that's how you have to feel if you're a player. You you, you get ejected, they bring you back, but yet you're still flagged fifteen yards, and your team's hurt by this. So, I don't know. I just think if you don't want to have concussions, guys, if you don't want to get hit, then then play baseball or basketball. That's all I can tell you. I mean, you can get hurt in any sport, but if you know what you're signing up for when you play football, I think the rules need to stay the same. Trey, I don't think anything needs to be changed. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to argue. I mean, there, there are some, you know, I think valid points that you're making. I think for me, I, you know, I just look at the game and I kind of, like, you know, I sort of in my mind sort of go with it, and I understand that this is going to be there. I certainly don't like um, ejecting players. I mean, because you just get the Georgia call, and Paul posted it in the chat room, and I looked at that play, I looked at it over and again, and I was like, how, how did he get ejected there? He barely, you know, like, I mean, just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I think you have to address that, Tarvin, for sure. Um, but, Tarvin, are you ready to get on to these games? Yeah, but I have a targeting stat in the in the spring game. You know, I'm, here's a pop quiz for Cuervo and Trey in the chat room. Who is the only team in college in a spring game now, in a scrimmage, to have someone ejected for targeting? In a spring game? I wish I had my music Auburn. playing. Yes. Cuervo? I'm going to go with Auburn. Who, po- Auburn. Who, who did you say posted that question? I did. <laughs> uh, well, since it was you, I'm going to just throw a wild guess out there and say the University of Auburn. Wrong. It's Auburn okay. University, not University of Auburn. Trey, you're correct. Oh, Auburn University. Yeah, Trey's correct, and Paul's right in the chat room, and Jonathan Mincy was the man. Thanks for that, Paul. I forgot just for a second who it was. But, yes, Jonathan Mincy targeted his own player in a scrimmage game and got ejected. So, question, did he have to sit out in the first half of the regular season? That's another, Paul, you need to research that for us because I don't know. I think he played in the first half, but – Yes, Trey, let's get on with it. Let's move into our college football segment. All right, so the first game on there, and Paul told me that this game was a joke to have on our schedule. On our schedule. But number Vanderbilt, Tarvin, they're going into Texas A&M where Auburn just conquered them, and Vanderbilt's coming off a big win of themselves. 
A&M's down to 16 in the polls, Tarvin. And let me tell you this, Johnny Manziel listed as hopeful. I don't even know that one. I've, I've heard of questionable <laughs> or probable. <laughs> A&M's called him hopeful. Uh, Tarvin, what if he doesn't play, man? What, 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 what's going on with Manziel, and what do you think about this game? Well, what happened to Manziel is is he got pistol whipped at home the other day and got beat up. I mean, he was beat up in Ole Miss. His knee was hurting him, and then an Auburn, his shoulder. They said he's in a sling and all this. If I had to guess, and honestly, if I was put on a, a lie detector stand and, or a test, I'll tell you he was faking it all. Um, no, I, I think he's going to play. He's very hopeful, but Vanderbilt's hoping he doesn't play. But, look, Vanderbilt is a team that doesn't turn the ball over. They play defense. They play fundamentally sound. This could be a tough game for A&M because of the, you know, playing that tough game against Auburn and maybe overlooking Vanderbilt. I don't think it's going to be close, honestly. I think Texas A&M wins this game because I just don't think Vanderbilt can slow them down. If Johnny Manziel plays, uh, Texas A&M wins, and they cover the 17-point spread. Yeah, I think Manziel plays uh, and Manziel wins, Tarvin. So uh, I agree with you there. So I'll move us on to our next game. It is the number 24 Nebraska Cornhuskers at the 5-2 and two Minnesota Gophers who just upset Northwestern, uh, Tarvin. So they have, they have a shot to do it back-to-back weeks. Well, the angry Gopher was upset with you, Trey, for even putting this game on the list. Um Look, it's in Minnesota, Nebraska. I think Taylor Martinez could play. He is questionable. I don't know. This is a tricky game. I'm mad you put it on there because it's it's a tough game to pick. I mean, I'm going to pick Nebraska just because they're Nebraska, really, and I think they can run the football. But Minnesota is going to keep this game close. Cuervo, is there anything you see in this game that, that makes you think upset? No, not really. Not really, Tarvin. I, I'm with you. I think Nebraska wins, but only because it's a home game for Minnesota, I think it'll be close. Trey, are you picking the upset? Uh, you know, I, I disagree with the angry gopher. I know that this is team, and sometimes you have that, that, that sort of that mantra of, you know, that you know, glass is half, you know, half empty for Minnesota. But they're playing <laughs> better football. I think they're inspired by their their, their coach who – he was having all these health concerns again. He actually made the trip and sat in the booth last last week against Northwestern. I think they're having a little bit of one of those, um, you know, winning for their coach. I think this is going to be a very tough game. Nebraska will look quick for them. But I think they're going to keep this real close. I just think it's going to be a cold day. With, if Martinez plays, I have much more confidence. But, you know, that's that was the X factor that I didn't know if you'd know, Tarvin. I do sneak that pass yet. But, uh, yeah, I think Nebraska wins a close one. Yeah, I do too. And the next game, I did question why you put it on here, and I know you have some logic, and I had to guess it's probably maybe they're looking ahead. The Miami Hurricanes, number seven, six and zero in the land, playing Wake Forest in Miami. I mean, the over under is forty five. Trey, how many Miami fans show up? Over under forty five. <laughs> well, that's the question: is does Miami really have a home field advantage against anybody nowadays, unless it is a big opponent? They're not selling out their stadium. So, and, and, and the, the, you know, the, the question is, is complacency. Are, are they looking ahead? Are they not prepping for Wake Forest? I mean, this is the Miami team that, that sometimes loses this game. So, I think they're going to win. Tarvin, I'm picking them to win. But I put it, I put this on here just, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, I doubt it, but we'll see. Uh, Miami beats them by 50 points. It's not even going to be close. 
I think Miami scores every time they touch the ball. All right, Tarvin. So I think uh, we're probably, we're in agreement on that one. How about uh, how about this one, Tarvin? Penn State four and two on the road against number four Ohio State seven and zero. Well, we know this. Penn State can play some defense, and they have a freshman phenom quarterback. Ohio State is terrible on defense, but I, I don't think the defense is going to really hurt them in this game. They're a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. It's a night game in Ohio State. Trey, Ohio State needs to impress the voters. They're, they're, they need some help. They're going to have to get all the help they can get, and the only thing they can do is beat these teams they play bad. So I think Urban Meyer realizes that. He's a smart coach, and I think they go in and beat Penn State by about four touchdowns in this one. I mean, you're picking the Buckeyes. Uh, Cuervo, what are you picking? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Buckeyes as well, guys. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, the interesting thing about this game, this is this is a more important game than people may realize. And the reason I say that is because when you think about Penn State, uh, you know, don't forget, guys, they just beat the number 10 team a couple weeks ago, you know, at home. So what Ohio State needs to do is, you know, really go out there and impress in this game. To, you know, like like you said, I mean, they just need to impress. I mean, with the way, with the BCS now in effect and things like that, um, this is a this is a very important game because Penn State has a win over a top ten team uh, under their belt this season so far. Trey, are you Tarvin pulling the upset in this one? Are you going to pull the yeah, upset? Yeah. Are you going to call it? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm leaning that way right now. The Penn State's figuring some stuff out. They've scored forty. You know, against Michigan last uh, last time they played, they lost to Indiana uh, by 20 uh, on October 5th. Uh, they lost <laughs> against uh, at home against Central Florida, which we now know at least is a, is a pretty decent loss. I mean, Central Florida's a little bit better. I'll tell you, Trevor, I, I'm real close on this one. I, I think Penn State's going to come in here and play very good football. I'm going to pick uh, Ohio State, but this is going to be closer than you think. Yeah, I, I just I don't think so. But Paul's a big Ohio State fan for some reason. He thinks they're going to make the national championship. But I just don't see it, guys. I, I, I think Ohio State rolls in this game. But like you said, Penn State, they're still Penn State. I like what the coaching staff's doing there. But at the end of the day, this is going to be a slaughter. And, Trey, you got your Florida State Seminoles on the number six game. Do you think they maybe have a hangover, I guess? You're putting this NC State game on here. But, I think you're worried about this because of the Florida State teams of old. Have, they've choked in situations like this coming off a big win. Is that why you put them on the list? Oh, they've absolutely choked in this game in the past. I mean, this is the exact game they've choked in the past. So, you know, again, this is a down week for games. There's not a whole lot to put on there. You know, but that's exactly why. You know, we have these top ten teams. Florida State is getting mad love all over the polls. People are drooling over them. Uh, if, they, if they drool over themselves, Tarvin, uh, NC State just doesn't care. I mean, there's the, NC State, if you look at the last 10 games Florida State's played them, they haven't blown them out. I mean, this has been a tough opponent for Florida State. They have their number. So I'm picking Florida State, Tarvin, but, you know, this is one of those games that as a Florida State fan, I'm just waiting for it. Yeah, this is this right here has every indication to me. Jimbo Fisher's got his team where he wants them right now. He's got their attention, and he's telling them this. He's showing replays of, of games where they they choked in this situation, Cuervo. I think this is a blowout. Florida State wins easy, no questions asked. 
Yeah, and I mean, we'll see. I mean, even though he's a freshman, guys, I think I think uh, Winston is the guy that can, uh, you know, keep keep the you know Florida State from from keeping it close. Uh, like 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 Trey said, I mean, NC State. It just seems like you know Florida State can look real powerful against everybody else, but NC State's like their kryptonite, uh, and, and they don't play very well against NC State. But if anybody can can get them past that. Uh, I think Winston is the guy that can do it. Well, well, the next game we have going on, guys, is this is a big game for Tennessee. It's a big game for Alabama, the number five game. Trey, Tennessee coming off a huge win against South Carolina. Now they get to travel to Tuscaloosa in this death row schedule they've had this year. Alabama number one at home, and I believe it's uh, CBS 330 kickoff and at least we don't have to listen to Vern Lundquist and Gary Danielson this week if you're an Auburn fan out there. But, Trey, any shot Tennessee has, I'm going to let Cuervo go last since this is a team, uh, any shot Tennessee has of pulling an upset, they are a 27-and-a-half-point underdog. I think that's a little too high. I think it's way too high. If you look at Tennessee, what they've done this year, Tarvin, you know, we you know, pumped the two first games. They went at Oregon and lost 59-14. to uh, which, you know, Oregon's such a, such a phenomenal team. We get that. Uh, they, they lose against Florida, and we're like, okay, this is a terrible Tennessee team. They're going to start rolling. But then they lost by three points to Virginia, and they beat South Carolina. I, mean, I, I think this is going to be a close game. I know that Alabama will not look past Tennessee because of the years of hatred that Tennessee and Alabama have for each other. But I think Alabama is going to have some problems with the Tennessee. This team doesn't seem to want to quit at all. I think Butch Jones has a sort of never-say-die attitude. So I think they stay in this game, and, you know, they would have beat, you know, Georgia had it not been for a, a fumble on the goal line. And then we're talking about a Tennessee team who'd beat Georgia and South Carolina leading into Bama. So I think it's going to be a close game, Tarvin. I'm not pulling an upset, but, again, this is a close week for a lot of these teams. Well, Cuervo, Cuervo, looking at Tennessee, I think the thing they're going to have to do is throw the ball vertically down the field. I think that's Alabama's weakness, and the problem is a lot of these teams don't have time to do it. But does Tennessee find a way to throw the ball down the field? And tell me your keys to victory for Tennessee. Well, I mean, I think you you hit it right on the head, Brian. I mean, and it, I, I would love to say it's going to happen, but I don't think it's going to. I think – Whenever Tennessee goes into a big game like this, guys, and you know we saw it earlier at Oregon, um, they're going to play extra conservative. And it's the one thing I just can't stand about Tennessee football is when it comes to big games, they try to get too conservative. They want to play it safe. You're never going to beat top teams playing conservative and playing it safe. I didn't get a chance to watch South Carolina, but, you know, Based on the result of what happened, I I would imagine they actually took some chances in that game, and they they tried to throw the the, the ball down the field and things like that. They they cannot do that. They have to go for opportunities, and I just don't know if it's going to happen, guys. I mean, you know, lucky Tennessee, they get to play the number one and two team on the road, huh? That's very lucky for Tennessee. And, guys, hold on. We have a caller in queue for the Alabama Crimson Tide, Trey, your nemesis, Big E. What's going on, Big E? Hey, man, what's up? Welcome to the show. We're talking Alabama-Tennessee. Give us 
Is Alabama going to survive, or is Tennessee going to pull the upset? Uh, Alabama's fine. Alabama will be fine. Tennessee don't well, have enough uh, weapons. Well, is 28 too high for a point spread in this game? Yeah, it hadn't been too high the last two weeks, so I don't see why it'd be too high this week. Okay, well, some series. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, Brendan Collins is the best athlete on the field on defense as far as defensive backs goes. Uh, He's the recruit that the mother got upset because he got an LSU and Alabama hat and he committed to Alabama at the uh, high school All-American game two years ago and she got mad and grabbed his papers and took off, you know. That's who that is. That's Landon Collins. He's a safety. And, uh, you know, Dix is back on the field, so... You'll have a veteran back there making calls, and like I said, Collins is Collins is probably not as experienced, and he's probably not as much of a leader as Sincere is, but he is more than talented. He is probably, like I said, the best athlete in the secondary, and he is definitely one of the hardest hitters. So they won't lose anything. Sincere likes to hit, but Collins does too. If you've been watching Alabama, you've noticed him showing up on special teams and and being in on defense some, and he likes to bring the thunder when he come when he hits. So he 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 will he will be one of the best defensive backs to ever come out of Alabama if he stays healthy and stays there for you know four years. He will he will he will definitely be a first round tra- uh, draft choice. Uh, Tennessee, uh, he the coach what's his name Johnson but Jones but Johnson but Jones. Jones. He he's got them going. He's got Tennessee going in the right direction, but the cupboard was, you know, uh, Dooley Dooley couldn't recover from what Kiffin left, and and, and it's going to take him. I think he will get Tennessee back, and Tennessee will be relevant. But it's going to take him a couple more years before he gets enough athletes down there, and you know they got some playmakers. They got a playmaker. At, Receiver, uh, I think his name's North. Uh, he, he's really good, but he's a freshman. Uh, I don't, I don't know how talented they are at quarterback. Really, I mean, I've watched them some, but I don't really know. I really paid that much attention to the throws, but they just don't have enough. They don't have enough guns, man. Because it's going to take a couple more years before they're back, back to where they need to be. Uh, and you know, I mean, you know. I mean, I'm an Alabama fan, but you know as well as I do, if I was an Auburn fan looking at Alabama, you know that there's no pretty good talent. So, you know, it it may be close for a while. Tennessee's going to play hard, and, you know, it's going to be close for a little while. But in the end, it's just going to come down to the same thing it's it's been coming down to. There's too many weapons. Unless Alabama goes – I mean, Alabama can dog it. I mean, you know as well as I do. We've talked before that anybody can get beat. If you go in there and dog it and turn the football over, you're susceptible to getting beat. If they don't do those things, though, it's going to be ugly in the end. It may be close. Well, it may be close for a while, but. Over at Danny Cannell, Florida State quarterback from ESPN, has Alabama number three in the BCS, and Florida State and Oregon ahead of them. Thoughts on that? Uh, Danny Cannell is an idiot, and he's always been an idiot. He was an idiot when he played. That's why he didn't play in the NFL. Uh, he's. He's I don't I don't know what his problem is. He's I don't know if he smoked too much DB when he was in college or if he 
I don't know what I don't know what his problem is. I think his wife has a body part of his in her purse and won't let him have them. But he's a he's a Florida State homer. I mean, yeah, I'm a homer. You're a homer. We, you know, you're an Auburn homer. I'm an Alabama homer. But when we ain't good, we say we're not good. You know, he's preached the last three years that Florida State was national championship contenders, and actually. That is the one thing that I do agree with. I think they are capable of playing for a national championship this year. They're a good football team, and they're more physical than they have been in the past. And they didn't lay down in the big game like they have in the past. But Danny Cannell, you know, regardless of what I think about Florida State or how good I think they are, he's still an idiot, even if I agreed with him. You know, if he said Florida State was the best team in the country and I agreed with him, I'd still say Danny Cannell's an idiot. And there's no way you put Alabama at two. Well, uh, it's the same guy that put Georgia, and he said that Georgia about two or three weeks ago was the best team in the SEC. That's not looking very good for him right now. Well, okay, all right. Let's let's evaluate that statement for a second. Georgia lost to Clemson, and Clemson put up thirty-eight. Okay. Now you know as well as I do, you don't win the SEC with just a good offense, and that's all Georgia had was just a good offense. They don't, they're they young on defense. They were not good on defense. They gave up too many yards, too many points. And you know as well as I do that you're not going to win the SEC championship if you don't play some semblance of defense. And there's no way Georgia was the best team. I would put them in the top three without, without all their injuries because they can score. But that's the only reason. So do you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, Paul in the chat room, Everett, he said that Georgia was four seconds away from winning the SEC championship last year with offense, so explain that one. Uh, Well, let's go back to the interception that got overturned when there was no reason to overturn it. They should have never been there to begin with because the officials screwed up. And uh, it should have ended at midfield with the interception. So take that four yards and stuff it in your pipe and smoke it. Uh, you know how I feel about officials. So, you know, they should have never been there. The call was horrible. The call was right on the field, and it was horrible in the booth. There was no reason to overturn it. They should have never had the ball. The ball game should have been run out. The clock should have been run out right then. Game over. They should have never even been close to the four-yard line. Well, another, so, another question. He said, he said both had zero defense that night. So if, if national champions are made of defense, then why didn't need the defense show up? No, I mean no, no. There's no, there's no denying Georgia has a good offense. I, I mean, I'm not saying Georgia don't have a good offense. I'm just saying it's it's tough to run the table uh, in the SEC if you don't play defense because there's going to be nights when your offense don't show up. Your, your quarterback's going to have a bad game. Your running back's going to put the ball on the ground. You know, your, your receivers are going to drop balls. There's going to be nights when you're not going to have everything your way on offense. You have to play some defense in. And if Georgia could have stopped the run to the tune of, what, 345 yards, they could have won that night in, in Georgia and Atlanta. But they couldn't stop the run. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, all, all Georgia has to do is play run defense that one night. They're SEC champions, and they're beating the piss out of Notre Dame. So, you know, I mean, you know, you've seen it time and time again. I've seen it time and time again. In the SEC, there's going to be a point in time, uh, post-date 2009, Alabama-Tennessee. Alabama had a horrible game. 
and they had to play defense to win, had to block a field goal to win, special teams, defense. There's going to be nights when everything ain't going to go your way. You're going to be playing on the road. You're not going to play good. Your quarterback's going to throw, throw interceptions. Your running backs are going to fumble. Your receivers are going to drop balls. There's going to be nights when things ain't going to go well, and you're going to have to play defense. Plain and simple. And you know it. I know it, and it's a cliche, but what wins championships? Defense. Yes, Alabama had to, had to score 49 to beat A&M. But, you know, if, if the other don't fumble on the one-yard line, that ball game's not even close. That ball game's yeah. a four-touchdown game, you know. So I mean, you know, it's that that ball game's forty-nine to to twenty-one. It don't it don't even get to forty-nine forty-two, you know. I mean, it might get yeah, to forty-nine that... twenty-eight, but but I mean, you know, you, yeah. There's nights you got to outscore your opponent, but you can't do that every night. You can't go out and score forty-nine every night and expect to win because there's going to be nights when you're not going to do that. You got to play some defense. And and you know as well as I do, Brian. Who's my second favorite team in the SEC? Georgia. I love. I, I like Rick. I like Georgia. I lived out there for eight years. I like Georgia. I, I mean, you know, and I and I and Georgia worried me last year as an Alabama fan. Georgia worried me, and I, I told several several people. I said, you know, oh, they said we'll we'll blow Georgia out. And I said, hold up. I said Georgia's a lot like us, with the one exception is they can't stop the run. They're a lot like we were. They were their, their team and our team were similar, with the exception of we stopped the run better than they did. That, that was the one difference between Alabama and Georgia last year. Both of them could score points. Both of them could defend the pass. Both of them had good special teams, good quarterback play, good running back play. The one difference was we could run the football and they couldn't. All right, Big E, man. Thanks for the thanks for the commentary. We're going to finish this up. We're running a little behind, but thanks for calling in and giving us. Your input on the Alabama-Tennessee game. Uh, Trey, I'm picking Bama. I think it's going to be a little closer than that point spread. I think it's going to be a tough ball game. Cuervo's picking Alabama, too. Everett's picking Alabama. So move us on to the next. Yeah, moving on to number four, Carmen, it's our first uh, of the four games that are against a ranked opponent, number 10, Texas Tech. So you and I have talked to you about, senior about being uh, overrated, let's just say, are being a little high in the polls at seven and zero, traveling to Oklahoma, number fifteen, uh, who are six and one, and who kind of who lost along the way, Tarvin. They're not supposed to be uh, the team who is uh, lower ranked here, Tarvin. So, what do you think about this one? Cuervo, go ahead and take this one. All right, it, it's uh, who we got playing. It's it's um, what what's the matchup? Give me that one again, please. Texas Tech. Oklahoma, Texas Tech. Oklahoma, Texas Tech. All right. Um, that's a tough one. I mean, Oklahoma, I mean, they just, against Texas, I mean, I thought Oklahoma was going to play better against Texas. I thought they were going to beat them. But um, I think I think Texas Tech has the offense to keep it close, but I think the Sooners uh, will will win probably by like seven. So I'll take the Sooners. I'm going to take Oklahoma, too. I think Texas Tech is a very, very overrated team. Oklahoma's not much better, but being a Norman Trey, I, I just I just don't see them losing again after that Texas game, and they had a bye week to think about it. I think they come out and play better. Texas Tech's very overrated right now. Yeah, I mean, Texas Tech's playing with a little walk-on freshman quarterback. I mean, they're overrated. So, I mean, Oklahoma wins this, Tarvin. They're the team that's been there before. I mean, playing at home. 
they're going to have all the motivation in the world playing a team that's top ten undefeated. They're going to have that shot to not only be the, the actual better team, but to play the sort of to play the underdog card here a little bit too, because they're you know, obviously you know, an undefeated top ten team. So Oklahoma wins this game, Tarvin. I'm not sure it's all that close. I think Oklahoma's going to play very well in this football game. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And that takes us to number three. This is the game everybody's looking at. Number five, Missouri. Is this the week that the the slipper doesn't fit, Trey, 7-0 and against South Carolina, 21-ranked, 5-2 record. They're licking their chops, and they're licking their wounds, too. So I'm going to have to go in this game, guys. I'm going to go with South Carolina. This is a must-win for them. If they lose it, they're out of the East. Missouri gets a stranglehold on this division and probably goes to the SEC championship game, Cuervo. I'm picking South Carolina to take care of Missouri and get them back to reality. They have to win this game. This is a must-win for South Carolina. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially, you know, with them losing to Tennessee last week, I mean, they have to be able to bounce back because if they lose this game to Missouri, then I think we could see South Carolina in a a downward spiral in reality for for the rest of the season. I don't think they'll be able to recover, so... Uh, but I think I think the uh, I think South Carolina finds a way to bounce back and win. Trey, how does this affect the SEC if Missouri loses? I mean, they're undefeated. Does it hurt the SEC if South Carolina goes in there and takes care of business? Because you know the team coming out of the West needs an undefeated Missouri team just to give them some help, just in case they have a loss. Well, I, you know, yeah. I mean, you may be right in that regard, um, but you know, I don't. Here's the thing. I just don't. I have a, such a tough time seeing Missouri go undefeated. Uh, now the thing is, is that Connor Shaw. I don't think he's going to play in this game, Tarvin. I'm hearing that he's not, um, not going to be there. You know, playing is this team really, really you know a lot worse off without him? So I don't know, Tarvin. But I agree with you. I think South Carolina gets it done. But I think uh, that this is going to be a very close game. And I'm almost picking Missouri. I think Missouri is a better football team than I gave them credit for. Uh, this could be the week that I become a full Mizzou believer. Well, think about this. You have a, a quarterback. He does have a game under his belt against Florida. Don't get me wrong. But Clowney is coming to town. What is Clowney going to say to this kid? Was he going to get in his head? How's he going to do? Is it going to be early? Is he going to strip him? Is he going to break his back? I don't know, guys, but I'm telling you, Clowney's going to have something to say. South Carolina rebounds. Steve Spurrier gets the team going. Dylan Thompson is a great option at quarterback. Connor Shaw is not an All-American by no means. So I think Dylan Thompson gives them a better passing game in a way. I think South Carolina rolls in this game. They're going to win by 10 points on the road in Columbia. I believe this is a night game, Trey, and I'm picking the upset. Yeah, it's a night. It's a nice CBS game. Yeah, me too, Tar. I'm going with you upset all the way. Um, but, you know, I tell you what, Missouri, you want to, you will finally earn my respect if you win this game. But I just think I think we're going to have two undefeated fall this week at least uh, and keep the streak of undefeated falling. So, you know, I got Texas Tech and Missouri losing this week. All right, number two game here. This is a huge game. And, and guys, this is another – I don't know what it is about – Teams that play Stanford, I like to pick them, but I like Oregon State at home in this game. The 25th-ranked Beavers come in. I think they lost to um, Sneed State Community College the first week of the season, but they won six in a row, Cuervo. Stanford comes in feeling good about themselves, handling UCLA. I think this is an Oregon State team that has some momentum, and I think they're going to get Stanford looking ahead, really. 
I like them. I like Oregon State in this game. Who do you like? I'm going to go the other way, uh, Brian. I, I like Stanford. Um, I mean, you got to think Stanford, you know, nice bounce back game against uh, UCLA. And I think, you know, Stanford is is a team that they're not on as much of a role as Oregon State, but they're, you know, they're, they're focused. They're refocused now. So I, I'm going to go with Stanford. Well, well, hold on, guys. Jason Humphrey's on hold right now. The Pac-12 guru, uh, the Oregon Duck homer, is going to pick this game. Jason, who do you like and why? Real quick. I like the team from Covaldis to win. I can't say the name, but I like the home team. Why is that? How can Oregon State beat Stanford after losing? Who did they lose to? Nickel State in the first week? Well, well they lost to Eastern Washington the first week. But if you haven't seen Sean Payton <laughs> and Brandon McCook is the best one-two quarterback combo, quarterback wide receiving combo in the nation, then no one's talking about. When you get done watching the Ducks beat up the Bruins, turn over to ESPN2 to watch Oregon State beat Stanford. Book it. Well, well, Jason, I'm going to put a hundred grand on this game, and I could go without food, shelter, and clothing for a few years. Do you, do you still like Oregon State, even after I tell you this? Well, don't 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 bet your house, <laughs> but but bet your dog. It's something that if it doesn't happen, I'll call in and I'll admit. But I got a feeling, and I'm going with it. Why not? And my wife is laughing at me. All right. Well, Jason, stay on here just a second. We'll get you on the Oregon game. We can't let you go. Just stay on hold just for a second. Trey, I don't feel comfortable betting my dog because if I'm taking my dog to the pound after this game, I'll be very upset. Yeah, and I'll agree and disagree with Jason a little bit. He says that no one's talking about Mannion. I think everybody is talking about Mannion. He's on a lot of people's Heisman top five watch list and all this kind of stuff. So he's like, the guy that no one's talking about that everybody's talking about. Um, but you know, I'll also say this about Oregon State. I mean, you look at their opponents they've beaten, you know, on this six-game winning streak, or, you know, Hawaii, Utah, San Diego State, Colorado, Washington State, and Cal. Carvin, I ask you, how many of those do you think are bowl, bowl teams? Um, probably none of them. That's, that's probably Utah, none. maybe. So, so here's the thing. This game, if this was in Stanford, I would have no problem picking Oregon State to lose quite a bit. Um, but I, I do think there is going to be something to this game. Uh, Mannion is a very good quarterback. He is putting up sort of you know PlayStation-type numbers. Uh, I'm going back and forth in this game. I think it's going to be a super awesome uh, sort of experience for Oregon State. They're going to be in this game to the very end. I'm going to pick them to win because they're at home, Tarvin, but i got to tell you, I'm not I'm not betting anything on it. Well, I'm going to Oregon State in this one, and I'm going to be the one on Sunday night telling you guys, I told you so. Oregon State, I'm with Jason in this one. Cuervo, you're out in the cold on this one. Stanford's going to lose. I predict them to lose at least three ball games this year. This is going to be number two, and Oregon's going to be number three. Um Stanford just doesn't impress me right now. Going on the road in this hostile environment, this is not an easy place to play. And Trey's right. They haven't played much competition, but they're going to be ready for this one. And that takes us to our number one game of Saturday. UCLA coming off an embarrassing loss to me to Stanford where they just got 
how physical and Hunley got showed. He showed the world that maybe he's not as good as people were saying. Cuervo, they go on the road to Oregon. Uh, man, that's not an easy environment to play. Now Oregon finally plays an opponent. In my mind, this is their game. Do they run the score up? Do they blow UCLA out? Because I just don't see UCLA keeping this close, man. I honestly don't. No, I don't think so either. And, I mean, they're going to have to. If they have the opportunity to run the score up, they're going to have to a little bit just for for poll purposes. So, um, you know, all it's going to take in the beginning is one or two mistakes, and, and this game will be over. So I think – I think the Ducks continue to do what they do and, and, and put up, you know, 50, 60 points. Trey, are, are you picking the upset in this one? I, I have a feeling you may be picking the Bruins in this one. <laughs> hey, you know, I do want to address something real quick before I get to that. Is, uh, you know, Paul says Florida State fans want Stanford to win because you don't want Pac-12 teams to be ranked. I, I don't necessarily think that I'm thinking that far ahead as a Florida State fan. I think what um, – just a two-loss Stanford team is a better football team than a than a one-loss Oregon State team. Even if Oregon State wins, I think Oregon State has a couple losses left on their schedule. So um, I'm not buying into that. But I, mean, I, I can't pick the upset. Not not on UCLA on the road <laughs> in Oregon. It's a 6 p.m. Central kickoff. Um, this is going to be um, this is probably going to be ugly. I think Oregon is going to make a statement in this game. And I don't think people realize how great Oregon is this year. I mean, these guys are loaded. They have a defense, actually, that can tackle this year. I mean, a Heisman Trophy quarterback. And Jason Humphrey is the biggest Oregon fan I've ever met. So, or, Jason, I mean, are you picking an upset? Are you going to pick against your Oregon Ducks this weekend? Um, No. No. I will never pick against Oregon. So, you're a homer. So you're a Hogan, homer then. Hogan. Oh, yeah, but everybody's <laughs> a homer. So, no, but <laughs> Hogan was like 6 and 5 and 1. I'll be honest. But it's like if I think last week is our wake up game, it's oh no, if we don't play good, we're going to get beat. That game was a 10 point game going into halftime. And I think that was the, oh, oh no, we could have get beat. Let's play good. And two touchdowns later, it's blowout. You have the defense coordinator cussing after the game and whatnot. So. Well, all right. Well, everybody check your video out. You put on our Way In Sports Talk page to preview the game. Jason, make sure you join us Sunday night to uh, – to go over this game, go over your review you post on Sunday. So, Trey Cuervo, it's been a great show. And I think Sunday night we're going to have a better show than people expected. Like I said, we have an AP Heisman Trophy voter coming in as a guest. And we're going to talk a lot of football, guys. So make sure you tune in to all the games, unlike the coaches' poll, where they won't be watching it. But if you're like an AP voter, you will be watching football. So, guys, thanks for everything. Thanks for joining us. And Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, we'll be back on to review all the NFL and college games and the World Series as well. I think the score right now, Boston 5 nothing over the Cardinals. Game one's a wrap, guys. Boston's going to have a 1-0 lead. And have a great week, Cuervo. Hopefully we'll see you both Sunday night. Until then, have a great weekend, guys. We'll see you later. See you guys.